Today I want to talk about the power of vision and how important it is. Uh, I want to thank and appreciate the current board. I think we've got Stephen Island, Matthew Flick. Let's stand to those. Is there any other board members here this morning? Church board members? Others? Church board member here. Uh, church board member over there. Appreciate them and their wives for all their time and everything they actually do. Thank those past, present and future and to unpack some of that in a real way. You know, together we're Freshwater Ministries. We're here together. And in John 10.10, as we turn to that this morning, it's a very basic scripture. If you know it, you don't need to turn to it because you can just repeat it. How many people know that God doesn't want his word written in a book as much as he wants it in your heart? He wants it written in your heart and how important that actually is. And it tells us a little bit of an overview. And one of the passions that we have is to see uh, our vision statement, which is there somewhere that will come up in a moment, uh, that talks about being able to have life, to love and to learn. Uh, We struggled for probably over 10 years of my tenure to try and figure out what we were doing. And while we were doing it, when it came to college, what sort of student were we trying to produce? Uh, You know, when you're making sausages, you've got to know what ingredients you put in to get the taste at the end result, true? You don't just throw everything in and hope it tastes all right. If you want pork sausages, you know you've got to put pork in there. Uh, If you want this, you've got to put that. If you want rosemary, if you want cheese, you've got to put cheese in there somewhere along the journey. We struggled for a long while to figure out what we're about, what what we're trying to produce, and more so, what do God want us to produce? And uh, one morning, I was, we'd been thinking about this for 10 years and talking about it, and we had sort of long, lengthy mission statements that no one could remember. Uh, and then we just, I was, just woke up one morning, and God just dropped these three words into my heart, life, love, and learn. And I thought, that sounds like us. I just thought I'd take a moment to just unpack those to us because it's not just for the college, it's not just for the staff, it's not just for uh, this or that or the board to have, it's for all of us who call Freshwater home. And it's important to have a spiritual home. And here in John 10, it tells us this, Jesus speaking, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. And I've come that they may have life, says Jesus, and they may have it more abundantly, how important it is, isn't it? The word abundant there means something more meaningful than material wealth or that prosperity could ever bring. That's what it talks about, that mentality of God says, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly and how powerful and important that actually is for our life. And so as a people, we want to be able to acknowledge and walk in that reality. Paul said it like this. He said, I don't come just to preach this gospel to you. I come to also impart my own life to you. And many, many times it's, there's an old saying, it says, you know, a lot of ministers preach, but not a lot of preachers minister. I think there's a real need in this hour for impartation into people's lives. It says in Hebrews 5, it talks about the attitude of the fundamentals of our faith, the six things that make up the, our faith and the foundations of our faith that you cannot move and you should be locked into. These are the ones Paul talked about. And one of them he talked about is the laying on of hands. And the laying on of hands that Paul's talking about there is not the laying on of hands for healing, it's the laying on of hands for ministry. If someone lays hands on you and imparts into you, there's a confidence given to you uh, by God through this person to minister and release you and empower you into what God's calling you to do. Your job is to go away and show initiative and get the job done. There's an impartation there. There's something that happens. One day, I won't be the pastor of this uh, fresh water, but what I'll be doing is imparting into somebody. 
imparting not just the gospel, but my own life into that person. That anointing, that understanding, that transference of power that is going into that person that the following week they're standing up and preaching and they're the senior pastor. There was no ribbon cutting, there was no cake cut, there was nothing like that. There was an impartation from God to the next generation to be able to stand up and serve. And Paul's saying, this needs to be in the foundations of your faith, this understanding that something can transfer, something that can happen in the laying on of hands that doesn't happen when you don't lay hands onto somebody in that particular way. I love that sort of stuff, don't you? Uh So no matter where we go, no matter what we do, we're imparting to people consistently spirit, soul and body, whether you like it or not. If I said today, I love you, I'm imparting to you by my body. True? True? And so we always communicate spirit, soul, and body 24 hours a day, so to speak, and seven days a week. And we've got to be able to be conscious of what we're able to impart into somebody's life. And I love the the scripture here we read this morning out of Acts that talks about imparting the power of God into someone's life. To realise that God is not just G-O-D, He's not just words on a page, He's not just smoke and mist and mirrors, He's a real person who has a capacity to impart into our life and He's given us an ability to have an authority that we can impart into other people's lives. And Paul said, be very conscious of what you're doing. Be very aware of what you're doing. It's very spiritual, it's very dynamic, and it's very possible to be able to do that. Don't you love that sort of stuff? I love it. I think it's, uh, you know, I didn't become a Christian to become some powerless wimp. I was already that. You know, it's wonderful when you can understand the power of God working in someone's life. We've just done a bit of a series on, uh, it's a continuing series, on getting to know God for who He really is. Not who we think he is, not who we want him to be, but who he is really. Who is God? And he can seem sometimes incredibly loving and incredibly kind God and we want to, you know, play a violin over the grace of God. But there's another side to God that is incredibly holy that you don't mess with. It's very powerful when you think about it. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to allow us to have one spirit in our life that will produce one thing in our life, and that's holiness. And a lot of people don't want that. A lot of people would rather keep their uncleanness or their confusion or all the other things that they've got. They want want to do that for all sorts of reasons. I often say, this altar here, I had it open a couple of years ago and I said, God, I just believe God wants to do a miracle here in your life today. And we've seen many, many miracles of people being healed and uh, wants to do a miracle in your life. And she came forward and she said, can you pray for me? I said, sure. And she said, could you pray for me that I get healed on Friday? I said, why? And she said, I'm getting a massive payout on Thursday and I don't want to get healed until after that because I'd have to lie about not getting it. And, you know, we jest. (laughs) But God is holy. And there's a part of God that you have to keep in respect continually. And it has to be a very sober part of your life that you don't touch the holiness of God like that. And so he's given us a beautiful capacity to impart his holiness to people. Cleanliness, freshness. 
that excitement, that enthusiasm. And so when we put that up there, that we Jesus come to give us that sort of life, I think it's wonderful to start to, to think about this sort of life that he's given us, this impartation life, this powerful life, this abundant life that gives life meaning. And how powerful it is if you're uh, you know, a teacher or if you're not a teacher or you're a, you know, some sort of area that you serve in or you work in, that you have a capacity to impart into people's lives. You know, I think your marriage is going to grow. I think it's going to be strong. Be, buddy, it doesn't look like at the moment it's weak and it's powerless. I think you're going to have children, but I can't see children. The doctor said there's no children available. You know, there's, there's this. No, I see you with children. I see you walking strong. I see you walking victorious. Come on, that's the church. That's a powerful church. The early church, can I say it again, was powerful. It wasn't a powerless church. It wasn't all about talk. He says, the signs and wonders will follow those that believe. Come on, how many signs and wonders are following you because you believe? I'm so locked into that. I'm so convinced of that. When I became a Christian, I needed signs and wonders to follow my life to convince me for a period of time that God was real. I needed to be around people that had signs and wonders following their life because it convinced me that God was real. I'd heard all the talk. Heard all the talk. I needed a real God. I needed the God of the Bible to leap out through a person's life and lay hands on me and touch my life in such a powerful way, whether it's an altar call, whether it's this situation or that situation, that I'd never be the same again. I needed that. I needed the God of the second chance to minister to me and touch my life. The second one we talk about is love, how important love is. There's a few people, that, uh, including me, that thought it doesn't sort of flow. It should have love, life, learn, you know, or learn, life, you know. It should sort of flow. And uh, I think it was Max Natoli that really spoke to me one day and he said, Pastor Stuart, I don't think that flows right. I think it needs to change. And I was talking to God about it and God said to me, he said, no, for fresh water, I want love to be the centre of everything you do. And I thought, whoa, <laughs> you know when you get arrested by God and you go, the Holy Spirit inside you go, just bears witness to that and you think, I want love to be the centre of everything that you actually do. And I think that's very, very important that we have that understanding that in our relationships, in our purpose, that the love of God is manifested in our life. In 1 John 4, it tells us something. It says it's not a matter of how much you love God. That's very conditional and very material at times of how much you love God because it has, I don't feel like going to church today, I don't want to read my Bible today, I don't want to pray today, I don't want to do anything today, I don't want to, you know, you know it's very conditional. But the Bible, says, 1 John 4 says, it's not about how much you say you love God, it's about you realising how much God loves you. That's what he's talking about, is the realisation for you and I to have at the centre of our life to realise how much my Heavenly Father loves me, how much He cares about me, how important I am to God in that particular way. It's got to warm our hearts in love. And so we'll impart that, how real that actually is to, to people's lives, to love people, love people. I remember, I tell this story often in church and, but once I was preaching, I was preaching on the Gold Coast. I, I was preaching pretty good too. And, uh, and I had this great message and I was really fired up and preaching. And God spoke to me in amongst, I believe God, we, ha we serve a speaking God. Genesis 1 tells us that God speaks and we serve a speaking God. I love that. I can talk to him, he can talk to me. And I was preaching and uh, he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm preaching. 
you know. And I'm sort of in my heart, I'm going, this is probably not a really good time to have a conversation with me, Lord, I'm preaching, you know. And uh, as if he didn't know. Um, <laughs> and uh, as I'm doing that, and the Lord said, what, what are you doing that for? And I go, well, because that's what preachers do, pastors do, preach. <laughs> and he said, I haven't called you to preach. I have not called you to preach. And it was a real shock to me that I'd been a pastor for about 15 years at that stage. And, you know, just because you're a pastor doesn't, you know, comes with a package. But, you know, there's always other preachers that can preach. But oftentimes if you're the pastor, people want to hear from you eventually. <laughs> and the Lord said, I haven't called you to preach. And I said, God, and I'm trying to preach. And, you know, I'm sort of being rocked in myself going, is there something else I should be doing? And the Lord said, I haven't called you to preach. I've called you to love people. And I thought, my next question was, God, how do you do that? And I felt God say to me, now you're asking the right questions. How do you love people? And uh, gee, I mean, if you want to know how to love people, don't look at me. (laughs) You'll find much better people like Richard Swartz or someone like that. But, uh, you know, we've all got our plates on when it comes to loving people. Because I preached about the other Sunday night. I, I said, you know, in most of us, most of us, we have this dark area of our life that you've only got to go there a little bit and scratch it and we'll come out fighting. And I've seen people, beautiful people in church life who are wonderful people and, uh, you know, you scratch their life a little bit next minute they're swearing at you. And you think, where did all that filthy stuff come from? They want to fight you. They want to slash your tyres and shoot your family and threaten you and spit at you. I've had it all. Kick you, punch you all of those sort of things and where where did you come from and you realise we all have this dark spot where Jesus wants to walk into I've met people good people in church and they do they look good on Sunday most of them you know be lifting their hands singing songs their wife comes to me after the service and says he's beaten me again and there's got to be a stop to this to let love get into those areas of our hearts to transform us because it can and it will and it wants to God wants to do that he wants to be a good father to us and that time you might I was feeling really awkward but God was being a good father to me he was loving me into position when I first came here uh, we were in a lot of debt and we had a lot of problems and uh, my biggest concern was and Val would appreciate this and Hank we never had toilets for the uh, adults (laughs) there was no toilets (laughs) had to use the children's toilets. <laughs> so, well, let's build some toilets. That'll be a good start. You know, pastor's vision confession. We'll build some toilets. <laughs> Not classrooms. But we'll... And so we did. And we started to head out in that, those directions. And hopefully they're nice enough for us today. But being able to do that, and I, when I first came and I, did, I said to the Lord, what have I got to do? This is, this is, this is huge. And uh, I had this sort of theory that every time I lifted up a rock that I saw, I lifted up and there was all these worms under it. And I thought, I can either pretend I never saw that or I can lift the rock up and try and fix what was underneath there and bring correction and restore it. And uh, how many people know that uh, a lot of people resist change? Uh, And a lot of people resist change when they find out where they are in the change. (laughs) Yeah, we need change. (laughs) By the way, we're going to let you go. (laughs) Hang on a minute. I don't like change that much. (laughs) 
And uh, I said to the Lord, Lord, what do I have to do here? And he said, first thing you have to do to walk through this is you have to grow up. And I realized that's my father loving me. You can take it as a, well, sorry, you don't think I'm good enough or, you know, who's that guy? I should, you know who he is? He's not dead. I realize the enemy can't kill dead people. When the enemy talks about who I used to be, he's not alive anymore, so he's just wasting his time talking about someone that's not even alive. <laughs> and there's a new creation person, there's a new spirit man who can love and who can understand and receive the love of God. And how important it actually is for our ministry to, for love to be the centre of everything we actually do. And, and when we realise, you know, people say to me sometimes, well, Pastor Stewart, how come, you know, how does the Jesus thing work when Jesus died on a cross and forgave all our sins? And how does that work? I said, you know when Jesus died on a cross? You realise how God thinks. You know, you ever seen an animal, but like a bug? And I look at those bugs sometimes and I think, how do they do that? They can feed themselves. They can walk around. They can live for many years. How, what was God thinking that day when he invented that? <laughs> and that, and that, and that. And you got animals after that, haven't you? All these animals and stuff, and God created them and, and stuff. And then you've got trees and leaves and branches and grass. And, you know, I always say grass is like God's carpet. You know, there's all these things that God has made. And you sort of, you look at the earth and you think, that is phenomenal. Then you think of all of the stars and the moon and the sun and, and all of that sort of stuff. And then you think of the planets and the universe. and You know, you just let your head go for a second and think, how vast and amazing and valuable is all that? All the businesses that are on earth, how valuable are they? All the systems and the structures, how valuable? And God goes, if you want to compare it to my son, my son is much more valuable than all of those put together all at once, all the time. Jesus is more valuable than everything you can see and everything you can't see. How's he able to die for our sin? Because you realise the value of Jesus to God. And the Bible says, if you're not sure about this, you know what God says? Something really complicated and religious. You know what God says if you're not sure? Take a look out the window. Where did all that come from? God so loved the world that he sent his only son whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life and I think it's a wonderful thing when we can impart love with everything we do and what God's called us to do, to do in that way the last one I want to talk about is learning Luke 2.52 someone that looks like a keyboardist learner is it coming Luke 2.52 talks about Jesus increased in wisdom stature favour with man and favour with God very very few scriptures in the Bible about Jesus growing up but Luke 2.52 is one of those, and we've talked about it as a staff, I know, earlier this year. But Jesus increased. Jesus increased. And if I'm going to be a learner, I want to be a lifelong learner. Where is that going to happen? Being imparted into young people's lives, example. Being imparted into your children's life as a congregation. Being imparted into your spouse's wife. We talked about that. It says, you know, it's not happy wife, happy life. It's not... It's not even scriptural. It's not far from scriptural. 
says for a man to love his wife, but it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible for a wife to love a husband. It says she must respect him. So the man must give his wife something that she can respect. And the Bible says that a woman is not to be happy as much as she is holy. How does she become holy? By the washing of the water of the word over a life of a man speaking God's counsel over a life. You're beautiful, you're wonderful, you're fearfully and you're wonderfully made. Look at you. Washing over her life continually is important. And so we look at this capacity as leaders, people to learn when I was 42 years old, I discovered, I woke up one day, I don't know why, I'd been living with myself for 42 years. I never realised this about myself. And I woke up one day and I thought, I really love learning. I love it. I love learning new stuff. One of the best stuff I learn is from people. Second one is my favourite is books. I love reading books, learning things. I never read those novels because I don't seem, you know, just sort of... It's like a waste of time reading about someone else. I like reading about stuff so you can learn stuff to do stuff better, personally. Maybe it's a guy thing. But to impart into our own life, into, into the lives of others as believers are people who just don't park at something they've learned but have a passion to keep reaching forward to learn new things. And I think it's wonderful. Again, can I say, like Paul said, I don't come just to preach the gospel to you, but impart my own life. Imagine if you're imparting life to somebody, the meaning of life above life itself, the meaning of life. If you imagine you're in a situation where you're correcting and helping people walk in love, a greater measure of love. huh? Why? Because the Bible says love never fails. If you want to get on a success plan, don't see Tony Robbins. See Dr. Jesus. He'll help you walk in success. He says love never fails. The more we can impart love into people's lives and to learn and say, I want to be a lifelong learner. I never want to stop learning. So to do that in the early stages, I think it's powerful where even as teachers and leaders, we can lift the lid on that higher and higher and to say, come on, I want to be like Jesus. And He increased. If it's good enough for Him, it's good enough for me. I want to be a lifelong learner. God, teach me something new. Excite me about life. Give me a new revelation of Your love and Your purpose into my life. I think we've just started with three words. We could have 53. But let's work on three and let the, the squeeze the juice out of these in, in a, a real way. So much so as we're marinated in the truth of God's Word that I believe He gave us just for us in this particular time. As we finish today, we want to thank you and we want to thank all the Freshwater Ministries who make up uh, what is Freshwater today. I always discovered that Something can only be as good as the person at the top. And I think today, as we set Jesus as Lord over all we do, it can only be as good as the person at the top. We're in a pretty good thing. Hey? If His name be lifted up, He'll draw all people unto Himself. And the day that He's not lifted up is the day it all stifles and shuts down. And that's been my, my challenge. And I love it when... I said it before, when people get healed and they get delivered and they get set free and they've been to every doctor, like the lady in the Bible, she'd been everywhere, she spent every cent and then she came to Jesus and He heals her. I think that's just a fantastic story because when it gets to that point in your own personal life and you're living as and believing as a Christian, even if you've never been sick and you're not planning on being sick, but you can turn around and say, 
I want to give God all the glory. I can appreciate doctors and praise God for doctors and nurses and dentists and all of those sort of people. Praise God for them. But it's wonderful when you can thank God, even for the doctors that He's brought into your life, even for the situations, and thank God for that. Thank God. I want to give God all the glory for all that He has done. I say it often as we wrap up today, the musicians come, I say it often, is the saddest day for an atheist is when, some, when something really good happens and they've got no one to thank. <laughs> but how powerful it is, no matter what happens to us, no matter what is in, facing us in our way, no matter what good things have happened, no matter what bad things have happened, we can sing that song, To God Be the Glory for the Good Things He Has Done.